Marvelous. We have a special guest today uh, who is a basketball coach. He coaches at the school that I attended. I had the privilege to play some basketball at that school. Enjoyed it very, very much. His name is Donnie Bostwick. And Donnie's won a couple of national championships. Uh, I think we're going to, if you can put the stats on the screen, just to give you an idea of how highly effective a coach this uh, fella is. He uh, ranks, there's a couple other coaches in other ranks besides in men's college basketball that are not in Division One, but you see he's number fifth in any kind of men's coach that's active in college basketball in winning percentage. The first time I met Donnie, it was at least a dozen years ago, and when I met that guy, I said, now there's a different dude. Uh, and it was like, it was, it was different, good different. Because he brought the Spirit of God to the game of basketball into his team. And I love the game of basketball, but I, I would approach it like this. I'd get at the free throw line and go, oh, Lord God, if you don't mind it going in, I really like it to go in. Oh, please, oh, please, oh, maybe God, please let it go in, and all that stuff. And Donnie just says, God's in it, God's with us, and uh, there's no way that we're going to be defeated if God's with us. And I want you to take to any kind of arena in life that you've got that the Spirit of God is leading you and guiding you. Do you mind coming up here, man? Uh, I was just like, Donnie coaches such great teams. I was, uh, I, I, I was like in the top 10 in three-point percentage and field goal percentage when I left the school, but the, that, uh, my name's long off those lists now because he's such a great coach. Hey, will you, will you welcome him? I'm thrilled that he's here. He's going to bring the Word of God. Pastor you have. Um, I mean, if I could take him with me, I would take him with me. We connected. Uh, I met him probably 10, 12 years ago, and it was like our spirits just went like, we have the same passions. We love this, and we love this. You know, if you don't know what this is, a sword, and this is a rock, all right? And last time I checked, a rock killed a giant in the Bible one time, right? I like that rock right there. But I'm going to put it down because it'll, I'll be doing stuff with it the whole time. You do not need to sit around and watch you get uh, thrown off a little bit. Um, today uh, is a special day. I believe, it's, I believe it's an anointed special day. You were meant to be in that seat. You were meant to be in that seat up there. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you, I believe, before you're all said and done, that you're going to believe that I, I, I'm not just saying that. Because I can really say that it sounds good, right? No, I really believe with all my heart you were here for a reason, all right? Uh, whenever I started, uh, you know, to get out the door, my wife, you see my family up there, I think, just a second ago. And uh, I don't know how many of you guys have seen, have you, have you guys seen Here Comes the Boom? Like, it's one of my favorite movies. You know, Kevin James is a, is a teacher. And you got Fonzie, the old Fonz, Henry Wrinkler. And he's like... Uh, uh, he's losing his job. He's a music teacher. They're going to cancel the music. But you can't cancel music. Music goes out and wins all the battles. In the Bible, the worship leaders were killing it up here. Were they awesome? Oh, man, I was loving that. But you have Henry Wrinkler, and he's preparing Kevin James to go out. He got the Here Come the Boom song fixing to come out. They're like a farm chicken walking through, and they're in the back. And he's rough. And this is what I felt like as I was fixing to get out the door, preparing to come here. My wife, she's rubbing my shoulders, and she starts Give me that speech. No dad jokes. Don't sing. Hey, try to be yourself, but not really. I'm like, honey, like, I think I need to call somebody else to go down and, and teach. If you got, my kids are like, let's go, dad. You got this, dad. I'm like, all right. So my wife has that reverse psychology thing going, you know. She's like, you can't do it. Because when she tells me I can't do it, she knows what I do. I'm like, God, please help me. Because I know I'm, I don't deserve to be here. I don't even, I cannot, but I'm probably the least deserving person 
to be able to come here in, in this opportunity today. I'm that amazed and so thankful for this opportunity. I, I'm not a preacher all the time. I don't get up here and do this kind of thing, so it's not like I had pulled out of a, a file. I'm going to just preach on this one. You know, like, no, I've been praying like for weeks. God, what are you going, what are you going to tell them? Because I know anything I got that I don't want to hear. But what can I tell them that's going to be so anointed, so powerful, that they never are the same again? What's your trajectory right now? What's your trajectory? Like, are you right now? You guys get snow all the time. We don't get it but once a year in Oklahoma. All right? And, and I know, and I better go ahead and say it. Like, uh, I asked, I was like, Pastor, do we need an interpreter? Because I'm a redneck from Oklahoma. I don't pronounce the last syllable of any word. And I talk really fast. So if you can, like, put your seatbelt on, it's a roller coaster ride today, okay? If you don't like roller coasters, hang on. You're going to be on one anyway. But uh, I, uh, in 2000, okay, how many of you guys, uh, you had a dream, but, you know, it just really hasn't been there yet. It hasn't really happened, okay? I finished second in interviews. Indiana Wesleyan, back in, uh, when Coach Tonigal took the job over there, I, uh, it was me and him for the, the final call. Man, guess who got second? Bingo. You know, you got it. And for about 70 other jobs, this guy kept getting second for 10 years. <laughs> 10 years. I was a high school coach. I, got, I went back, you know, to, to serve as an assistant coach for the college I, coach I played for. And, you know, I was, I was expecting, you know, God, you're going to give me this job pretty quick here, I think, you know. But 10 years later, I'm still an assistant coach. Now, we won a national championship as an assistant coach, and assistant coaches are valuable, Incredibly, these people right here, the people on that IT team, they're all just as powerful, just as important as Pastor is. He, he doesn't look good. He doesn't sound good without them. His wife is probably the most important person in this town. She has to tell him, hey, you better step it up, boy. Don't dad jokes. Get rid of them. You know, like, the, I, I promise you, you're as good as the people around you. You're also, the people around you are who you are going to become. Who's around you? Do you spend time with God in the morning? Did you spend any time with him? Because you want to be like the king? You got to spend time with the king. The uh, 2009, I took this job. I, I, the one job I turned down five years prior was Oklahoma Wesleyan University because the school had come to a really struggling situation. It was not struggling when, when his dad was coach whenever he played, had, had really good teams. But they had had six straight 20 lost seasons and they were really struggling. And I went over and interviewed, and it was like, I'm not taking that job. Like, that's just no scholarships. Like, we're winning, we win a national championship. Why would I take this job? I'm probably going to be the next head coach here, okay? So I turned it down, the one job I could have gotten. Five years later, um, coach ended up, and, and I, I probably would have done the same, to be honest with you. He hired his son whenever he retired, okay? Uh, that's what you are when you're a son. Like, we're the son of the father, so he takes care. I don't blame him, all right? But I didn't have a job. Have you been jobless and you have four kids in a minivan driving down the road? And your wife's like, honey, we don't get a job. And I'm like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, uh, we're going to pray. <laughs> we're going to Branson to pray. Honestly, uh, I'm 30 years old and I had never, my only vacation is Branson. Like I hadn't seen a palm tree yet. And I'm 30. Okay, I'm an assistant coach making about 30 grand. That's a lot of money, you know. It's not much, you know, comparably to what some people would say are successful coaches, would, you know. And so I'm sitting here, and, I'm, and my, we're doing great. Though God supplies, we're like, I mean, we're wealthy beyond measure. You know, you four kids, beautiful, healthy, everything's awesome. But we're driving down the road, and we're praying. And uh, a, a buddy of mine calls me and says, "Hey, Oklahoma Wesleyan's open again." This kid played for me in high school, and he's he's got a, a he's a business 
guy has his own car lot, making six figures. He's killing it. And he says, uh, God just, t- we're up watching the Branson and National Tournament, and God said that um, you're supposed to take the Oklahoma Wesleyan job. It just came open again. I'm going to be your assistant. We're going to win the National Championship in two years. I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Like, dude, you think I can walk on water? You think, wow, that's walk on water. You think I can do that? No. I'm like, that's crazy. I just won a national championship. I know what it takes. We got full scholarships. We got facilities. It's beautiful. Like, I know what that takes. It ain't going to happen, bro. He's like, well, you ain't got a job, man, so I don't know. Like, God was telling my wife and I, he's going to make something out of nothing. And he was telling me through, he talked to me through music, Casting Cans at the time. Voice of Truth was one song that just poured into me. And my wife was getting it through a Bible study, and I'd be like, what what is he telling you? We're going to make something out of nothing. I'm like, okay. Well, I get a, whenever I got off the phone, the president called me, and my wife says, wait a second, that's less than nothing. That doesn't count. We're not going there. Let's do something else. I'm like, I can't do nothing else, honey. I can't sing. I can't be a worship leader. I got a coach. And so, um, yeah, we took the job. And God told me, if I will apply his principles, same thing John Wooden did. He was pretty successful, winning his coach 10 national championships in a row. He applied biblical principles. He, if you apply my principles, he said, you better keep me at 51% or higher. Never let it drop. Higher sounds even better than 51, right? If, if you have a spouse beside you, and you're like, just give me 51, honey. I mean, no, like give her 100. Like, you know, I'm 50. I just turned 50, okay? Half a hundred is what they say in Oklahoma. Barry Switzer used to put a half a hundred on everybody. Oh, you football? Or, or we'd even go for 100 sometimes. But why not go for 100 instead of 50, okay? And I'm sitting there going like, all right, God, like, uh, this job, uh, I got no chance. He goes, but if you just put me first, watch what I do. We went 120 and 20, 39 consecutive wins, set an NAIA record. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a glorified bus driver. God's going crazy. We win the national championship in 2009. Our, our, our shirts say, for his glory, and the crowd's going, for his glory, and just screaming it as we're on CBS Sports. I'm going like, God, did you just do that? That's just insane. That was in 2009, the only time I ever came to Michigan before this. I got to bring my father to the Final Four, and I was on stage actually with Blake Griffin as National Coach of the Year for NAIA. We were doing, getting awards, and I'm up here. My dad got to come and watch. My dad was a retired bricklayer. <clears throat> um, and that was a special time for me because he was fixing to go home. He was fixing to win his final game. He's fixing to go to heaven. I didn't know that. But when I looked back and I realized my dad just retired, God brought me over here. My dad got to do all this with me before he took him home. Then I realized that was pretty cool. You know what? My dad was like Clint Eastwood. You know, and I see me older people, probably older guys, tough guys, tough. They don't get any tougher than Clint Eastwood, right? Like when he walks in the room, it's like, no, 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 no. Comes in the background. And my, <laughs> my buddies would say, did you hear that noise? And when I walked in my room, my dad would just be sitting there looking at him. He'd look back, you know, and be like, Dad didn't say anything except for, hey, son, how'd you miss that layup today? How'd you miss that free throw? I'd be like, dude, we had 30. We won by 20. Like, I can't please you, bro. Like, Dad would just be like, shake his head, you know. And I'd be like, what's going on, man? How can I please you, Dad? Well, what you don't know is my dad didn't have a father. His dad went to the World War II, and when he came back, my, my, my father's mother left and, and had taken my father. And, and basically, if you've seen the movie Secondhand Lions, that was my dad's story. Basically left him with a high school coach at one point. And my, and my dad just stayed with the coach the rest of his life, until, or the rest of, rest of his days in school, until he got on his own. 
And then a guy, apprentice, apprentice said, hey, will you be my apprentice? I'm a bricklayer. My dad was laying the stones by the side of bridges. You know those huge stones on the side of the bridges sometimes? It's what he was doing. And the guy took him in and said, would, would you be uh, my apprentice as a, as a stonemason? You know what, my, who, what I have in common with Jesus? Both our dads were stonemasons. Now you're saying, like, wait, Jesus' dad's a carpenter. I'm like, well, that was whenever he got transferred from the Hebrew to the Greek because the Romans built with wood. I went to Israel last summer. They built with stones back then, I'm telling you, lots of them. They had a little bit of wood, so he's just a builder, but he was a stonemason. So I mean, same thing in common. We love rocks, man. Love that rock, all right? And you're sitting there going, like, okay, uh, what's, uh, what's the big deal about your dad? I'm like, well, my dad was pretty, pretty amazing in the sense that he's still like the rest of his family, honestly, were most of them were in drugs and in prison and, and messed up. Just to be honest with you, his sister died as a hell's angel uh, of AIDS. And so my dad just made better choices, but he, he, he wasn't a Christian yet, okay? He wasn't a believer. My mom, her dad was a moonshiner, okay? They come back into the back roads. I don't know what you call them around here, but if you go to the gravel road, go past Twin Bridges and about three other gravel roads, that's where my, my mother was, was raised. She finished school like in eighth grade. Okay. And her, when she was a little baby, or a little kid, excuse me, they feds, the federal agents, come to get my grandfather because he was making moonshine, and she had to run and take the moonshine to the hogs to try to keep it my grandmother from having to go to jail as well. So I come from a moonshiner, and my dad don't even know his dad. How am I here today? That story should come as a bad ending, right? But my mom found the king. She started praying every night and reading the Bible to me, and she would pray for my father and intercede and battle and fight. And my dad would, we would go, we'd fix him to go to church. My dad, my mom, you know, like I'm a drug baby. She would drag drug me to church, right? And I'm sitting there going like, I want to stay and watch The Wonderful World of Disney. I only got four channels back then, and cartoons only comes up on Saturday. And that looks really good. My dad was going to sit there. I'm thinking, he stayed home and watched The Wonderful World of Disney. No, as soon as we left, he would go to the bar. And he wouldn't go to the bar to drink. He would go to the bar to gamble. We had a gamble addiction. We had a spirit of gambling that was on our family, and it would take a curse. My, 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 my dad's uncle was a gambler, and my dad thought he could win. Like, I thought I could win at everything. We're, we have that in our spirit, you know, of a winner's mentality. So he gambled, and he lost. And his debt became bad. And his bookie took him to Muskogee, Oklahoma. And my, my, my dad's bookie showed him a house he blew up and said, you're next. <laughs> I was like, that one. Okay, you're next. And my dad was like, I got a debt I can't pay. And he goes and he tells my mom, take the kids and go. Leave. I, I can't pay. And, and uh, I have nothing I can do. And my mom says, nah, I got a God that fights my battles. I got a king that fights for me. And my, my dad <coughs> didn't know what to do besides, you know, try to come up with a plan. He's like, maybe I can just pay him a little bit and he won't, he won't do this. So when he called that week and the bookie called and he said, hey, uh, David, um, uh, you know, Dad's like, uh, is there any way I could pay a little bit of it, you know? And the boogie's like, no. I can just feel my dad, like, I can imagine what my dad felt like at that moment. He says, honestly, your debt's been paid. My wife drugged me to a revival, and I got saved. That's what the bookie said. And my dad walked into church. I remember him walking down the aisle, and everybody looking like, David's here? Then David started running the church league basketball and the church league softball. And I would sit over and run the scoreboard. And every time out, I'd go make a layup. Boom. Boom. Then all of a sudden, nobody in our family ever went to college. I did. Nobody, nobody ever came out of Pryor Creek, Oklahoma. 
to be, play college basketball. I did. Nobody. God is an impossible proving God. I'm proof of it. I don't know what you think you are. You may think I'm a nobody. Well, he's looking for nobodies. Today, that might just be your, your answer to a prayer you've been waiting on. Uh, today's a setup, man. It's a divine setup. I just mentioned it, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. Because when I say cause today, you say is a setup, all right? Because you got to join in here. Some of you guys are kind of about sleep and they wake you up. I don't know what your energy source is, coffee, energy bar. I think we need a better one than that, all right? So when I say cause today, you're going to say? Cause today. Cause today. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, all right? So today's a setup. I'm going to read you a verse. I didn't name myself spirit-led coach, and I know Moses said he's the most humble person on earth, and that sounds good. And I think you got uh, John who said, you know, I'm Jesus' beloved. Like, they named themselves that. I know it doesn't sound good when I'm like, hey, I'm the spirit-led coach. That doesn't sound good. I'm going to tell you why. If you'll put that verse up there, Romans, uh, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Are you a child of God? Then you have to be led by the Spirit, are you? Are you finding yourself, your trajectory stuck in the snow and you're in that rut and you haven't been out of it in a while and you're, you need to raise the trajectory? Has anybody, is anybody, I mean, shoot a basketball? Like, man, if you shoot a basketball, like, I've coached the number one three-point shooter in the history of the game. He hit 527 threes, okay, won a national championship. You know what that boy's doing? He's a missionary in uh, Mali, Africa with his kids. Like, he's a frontliner. But you know what he shot it? When you shoot a trajectory with a flat shot, the ball doesn't go in real well. This is rocket science here, guys. You shoot it with arch, and it goes in better. You've got to have arch. Your trajectory today needs to go whoop. We need to add arch on your spirit and what you're doing following the spirit, being led by the spirit today. Well, if we had a, like, I know there's some guys in here, man. We went to the weight room yesterday, and I pumped up. And this is bad if this is what showed up after I pumped up, right? But there's some guys in here that are cut up. You know, we put them up here, and I'm like, look at this dude, man. His physical is amazing. But you know what? What if you pull a spirit man out over here, what you can't see? Would he be as big or bigger? Because when your spirit man lines up and is bigger even than this dude, whoo, he takes over. And the bus driver starts getting rings. <laughs> I got five of them suckers. That's pretty nice. They sit in my closet. It's not about the ring. It's about the king, okay? I'm going to uh, give you a few things here, and we're going to shoot fast because I got a really strong point at the end that I know he wants me to make. Uh, here's a couple things as a coach, okay? No hesitation, obedience. Zero hesitation. Whenever pastor said, would you come up here, Donnie? I jumped out of that bench. I jumped up here. I was ready to go. The first step is the most important. If you sit there and go like, I don't know if I can do it. Like you start telling yourself and the Satan will start whispering in this ear and you won't even go. It's too big a risk. But if you say no hesitation, boom. First, I'm, I, if I want to get back on defense, I want to sprint on offense, it's a ball. Now the game is on. I'm probably going to be dunking on the other end or hitting a three. But if you, if you jog it up there, you're going to jog. I, I like cool jog. Cool jog gets you nothing in basketball. I like that song. It says he's our defense. That's why we both shoot it, because God's our defense. We don't need, I mean, I'm just kidding. Defense has to be there to win championships. He is our defense, so that's how we win championships. Um, here's the next thing. Um, it's got to be personal, personal a relationship, an intimate personal relationship. How well do you know the person next to you? You probably know them, right? Or you're not sitting next to them. 
How many of you know that person up there, over there, over there, right? I don't know them real well. Well, do you have that kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit? So I'm a name guy, right? I have nicknames. I give my players. I got E-Man. I got you, you know, A-E-I-O-U and adverb coming in off the bench. That was almost one team one year, to be honest with you. It's kind of weird. But no, I usually give them some cool names because I forget their names. If they can't rebound, I really forget their names, okay? It's one of those sad things that, you know, I can't even remember my kids' names sometimes. I'll call Cade Gunner and Gunner Cade, and I'm like, come on, Dad, you only have four. Surely you can figure out our names. You're, you're 50. And I'm like, yeah, it's getting, getting bad up here. I better focus even more on the Spirit. But who are you called? Who, what do they call you? Who are you called? I'm going to ask you, like, who are, who are you? Like some people, I'm mom. Mom! No matter who says it, you're thinking, coach! That's my head flipping on, on, on a swivel, you know? Who are you? You know what? Uh, I, know what I know what, back in the day, Romans saw this guy named Paul, and they were like, <clears throat> we got to put him with the gods because they have all these different gods they, they worshiped, you know, Aphrodite, some crazy gods. And they were like, okay, Paul, he's a Christian. He talks about Christ all the time. So he named us Christians. Nothing wrong with it. But, you know, what does God call us? You know what he calls us? I'm going to tell you a little bit later because I think you're going to like it. Have you ever felt um, that God crossed you on a, on a path with somebody? Uh, hopefully, maybe. It was like maybe the day you saw your wife or your husband, you're like, I'm going to marry that girl. I don't know who she is, but something. You know, today is the time. He crossed my path, and I knew someday I would be back in association with him. I don't know why, but there's been so many times where God crosses a path, and you just ignore it. You're not, you're not led by the Spirit to know what to do. And I, and I want you to learn to be led by the Spirit so that way you are doing things for God's purpose in your life. That's why you're here, okay? So think about that. Um, based on the evidence, based on the evidence of your life, what you're doing right now, or can people say, yeah, he's fulfilling God's purpose for his life. If you don't have any evidence, if they can't say, like, he's got a relationship with God, oh, yeah, you may be sitting right now not even realizing where you're at in your trajectory. Think about it. One to ten, where you at? Where you at? No hesitation, obedience. I'm going to go real quickly uh, into a couple things about the Holy Spirit and Jesus, because obviously yeah, we got to do whatever Jesus did, all right? It says, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was baptized, and the Holy Spirit came down, and that's when his ministry started. Whenever the Holy Spirit came in him in full, he was without measure, okay? And then he was on the cross, and he died, and at that moment, it didn't say he died, it said he expired. He let the, the breath of God who started the whole thing when he breathed into Adam, he, he expired, and now the Spirit is out of him, okay? And I'm going to go to a verse in John, John 16, 6 through 11, okay? And in that verse, it's going to tell you, um, I'm going to read. Uh, Instead, the longer I've talked, the sadder you've become. So let me say it again. The truth, it's better that, you, that I leave. If I don't leave, the friend won't come, okay? But if I go, I'll send him to you. When he comes, he'll expose the error of the godliness, the worldly's view of sin and righteousness and judgment. Okay? You have, uh, he'll show them the refusal to believe in me and their basic sin. The righteousness comes from the above. Where I am with the Father, out of their sight and out of control. He also says uh, in the message, right, uh, you know, that he, the guy, he's going to be your guide. That specific word, guide. If anybody like to fish, 
Anybody like to fish? Like, I'm loving fishing, okay? Like, have you ever taken a fishing guide? Like, honestly, I've never done that. But my buddies who say they have, they're like, dude, we caught so many fish. If we didn't catch them, but he gave us the money back. Like, dude, he sent a guide for you so you can catch fishers of men. And if you're not catching them, you're not following the Spirit of God because that's the purpose for all of us. Does that make sense to you? It makes sense to me. So I need to figure out how to be Spirit-led because I need that guide that he's talking about. Well, let's tell you the journey. <clears throat> this church, 166 years ago, in a farm, this church began uh, this journey. And then all of a sudden, you know, like you move to another building, you move to another building, you were, you were in a, a fine arts building, and uh, Coach at the time, I'm going to say Coach over here, Coach Jim was coaching in this spot right here. This is a three-point line. And Coach was like, ah, after the game, God, like, if you could give us this building, we will give you all the glory. And he walked around praying over it. It's a big dream, wasn't it? Because they had this building scheduled to be demolitioned demolished. Yet, all of a sudden, this is what they had to say about it. I looked up on the website, what live stream Pastor Jim Manis, and this is what it said. They're an example of sustainable faith. This is uh, uh, the article. It said, uh, um, Steve Fridsma, who was the architect, a church of their size may be trying to grab a tiger by the tail. It's too big. Hiring Greg Zost, uh, he said he moved forward undaunted by the challenge of the project. When they kept adding project capacity to what they thought they needed for worship, <laughs> I think they were being hopeful. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I sat there and look at this going like, now look what you got. It's amazing. The website, two things grabbed me off your website. Number one, it says you are called to advance the kingdom. <laughs> the second thing, make it a priority to pray and ask that the Holy Spirit guides you before you become our church. This is what I'm just telling you. It was already written down on your website. I'm sitting there going like, God, you already had this planned. This is crazy, God. I can't wait to get there. So Jesus takes his disciples and he starts this journey with them as well. Okay? It's a pretty cool journey. That day he walked up and Peter said like, uh, like, come on in and preach, you know, and he's going to preach here, and it's pretty neat. Jace takes his disciples, and he's like, Peter's like, uh, get in a boat, because this incredible following's following him. It says in the Bible that he did so many miracles, it can't fill all the books in all the world. That's, they're not all recorded. It's crazy how much, we don't even know what Jesus did. The disciples were there. They saw it physically with their eyes. And so Peter, though, the first day, he's out here, you know, and he's not catching any fish, and this guy comes along. He's got a multitude of people. He has to get in the boat just to get away from this so he can preach to them. And then after he's preaching, he's like, hey, uh, catch any fish? Peter's like, not a one. You've been there, haven't you? The fisherman I know. Ah, I hate that day, man. It's still a good day. It's better than work sometimes. It's just a day out there with fishing. But he didn't catch any. And Jesus says, hey, catch your nets on the other side, bro. Peter could have went like, nah, dude, like, we ain't biting, man. I got to go back out there to get the nets back out. Peter's like, boom, boom. And now the nets start loading up with fish. The boat's going down. The nets are bursting. Other people are coming in. And Jesus says, like that, didn't you? You want to go with me? Drop the nets. He, uh, Peter didn't say, like, hey, wait, like, can we just, like, catch it? Can we, can we show everybody how much we caught? 
Like that was a big one right there. Okay. But he said, now nah, like go. Obedience, first step, I'm with you. I want, to, I want to see what miracle you just did. I need to see more of that. So Peter does that. So then later on, Jesus says, hey, take the boat, go to the other side. I'm going to go up and pray a little bit. Hey, like that. So here they're going to the boat. They're going to go to the other side. They're going to go uh, preach to somebody or something. All of a sudden, a storm hits. You guys been in a storm yet? You been through a pit? Been there. Two, two, two miscarriages. Told we couldn't have kids. I got four. God showed up. They were in that boat, and all of a sudden, a storm comes up. It's going to sink. I actually sunk a boat one time, but it's a scary day. It was nighttime. It was 30 degrees. Good news, I was fishing on a hot water lake at a turbine deal, and I, I went down. I was able to pull the boat over to the side and, and pour the water out, and, and, and it worked out all wet. But it was a scary night because I was, like, trying to save all the equipment and stuff in my little boat. I got a little scamp. It's not like it's a little troller motor. It's not a real big, like the ones out the pier. I want one of those, all right? But we're going along, and all of a sudden, storms are coming up, and all of a sudden, Jesus decides he's going to do a wow. He's going to walk on water. He's walking on water. Peter's like, holy ghost. That's the first time he was called that, if you didn't know. Can I walk to you? He's like, come on, bro. He's, he jumps out of the boat again. Peter's crazy. I love that dude. He jumps out of the boat. Okay. I said about names earlier, right? What was Peter's name before he was Peter? Simon. And Jesus said, no. You know why he called him that? Because in John 6, 6, 6, what's that? Anybody know that number? Not a good number. That's Satan's number. That's his jersey number. Sign of the beast. Okay? One time I'm at a church board because it's a baby dedication. I don't even know the baby or the family. So I'm back here in church going like, all right, God, like, show me something, man. I'm a numbers guy. Like, show me something. I got my Bible. And he goes, try and see if 666 is in the New Testament. Whenever I showed up, I'm like, okay, cool. The only time it's in the New Testament is John 666. It's crazy. I'm like, okay, let me read it. Oh, he's got these crazy multitudes. He's done all these miracles. All these people following him. Thousands. Okay. And all of a sudden, he goes, I'm God. You're going to drink of my blood, eat of my body. They're like, we thought he was a prophet or something. Like, what? Like, you're not God, bro. And they all walked away, it says in that verse. Except for 12. Except for 12. And he goes, are you walking away too? Are, are you leaving? And Peter's like, where would we go? He goes, uh, who do you think I am? Peter goes, you are the Messiah. You're him. Peter was the first one to recognize and say it. And guess what? Even though Peter was a guy who cussed a little girl to cross, saying, I don't know him. The rooster crowed. Peter had failures all the time. When they come to get Jesus, Peter was one of the dudes, one of the three. I love the number three. Okay, three ball. Gee, he was one of the three, Peter, James, and John, that was there. And when they come to get him, Peter, like, he's a garden of Gethsemane, pulls out a knife and cuts the dude's ear off, one of the soldiers. Jesus slaps it back on. No, sorry, bro. What? That happened. And Peter's like, you know, he's quick to jump, quick to run, quick to... to Say, I'm here. Whatever you need, God. Are you that guy? Because Peter was such a failure. Most people, if I was, if I was God, I would have picked somebody else. He's a lot like me. He's a, he's not, I'm like, that dude? Like, he can't even pronounce syllables. My wife's articulate, thank the Lord, because my kids can talk right. You know, ain't is a good word in my family. Not from my wife's side, from me, all right? Jesus goes on. He tells him to go on across on the boat. 
he saves us today. And it's kind of weird. As soon as he got in the boat, it said immediately they were on the other side. It's kind of wild. Okay, how did he get immediately to the other side? There was a storm going on. He calm the sea. He said waves and wind die down. What's the next one that Jesus, they go to the cross. Now, now your, your champion came. He's going to lead the revolution. And then he just went to the cross. And like, what, what in the world? Well, he had already introduced the Holy Spirit. So if I can, let me get this up here real quick. In John, he introduces the Holy Spirit. Um, and he says to him, well, actually, let's go, let's go to 16, if you don't mind, please. John 16, it's the one before this. He says to them, uh, I need to leave because I'm going to send the friend back. And when the friend comes, he's going to guide you, okay? And just be waiting for him. So then he goes and goes to the cross and dies. <laughs> and you're like, what would you do? They're fixing to kill us. They got the door locked, they're hiding. Door locked and they're hiding. And then that, that put the next verse up, I'm sorry. And Jesus says, he walks through the wall. Now it's WTH. It's not a wow moment. It's a WTH moment. He walks through the wall, and he says, like, uh, he breathes the Holy Spirit. Remember how God breathed into Adam? And now he breathes. Actually, Holy Spirit means ruach, which means God's breath. <laughs> kind of crazy. It's a spirit. He says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But then he says, wait, because I'm going to fill, I'll bring a complete baptizing the fire of the Holy Spirit on you. you got to wait. So then he leaves. And now these guys are sitting there waiting, going like, they're going to kill us. Because yet they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. Adam had lost it. Adam had sinned. And God created him with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had to return to headquarters. So Jesus had to come back. So now he, he did everything he needed to do. He, he won the cross. He goes to hell. He wins it. He's now saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit back. Because it's, it, it's, you're made to have the Holy Spirit in you. If you're missing the Holy Spirit, you're trying to fill it with other things. It says alcohol ain't on spirits. That's another type of spirit, spirit of gambling. What are you filling it with? Because the Holy Spirit was made for you. It leads you. So if you're missing that, you're, not, you're missing everything. You're missing everything. I said it earlier. Have you ever had a refrigerator that's unplugged or the power goes off? It's a worthless item, isn't it? It's no power. It actually starts stinking as the food gets bad. Are you an unplugged child of God? Or are you spirit-led child of God today? Are you kind of found that time where I'm, I'm just kind of here, though, and you're begging, man, I just want to go back to being on fire. Are you cold? I know what it says in John. You know, everybody likes John 3, 16, Pastor. Everybody likes that one. For God so loved the world, he gave his only forgotten son who ever believes in him will have everlasting life. Well, the same author wrote Revelation 3, 16. I don't know if you want that one on your shirt. If you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you out of his mouth. Ooh, that's whenever a refrigerator starts getting cold, not working. I want to go hot. I want to be on fire, okay? That's what I think we all should desire. I'm going to jump really quick because I have to read this next one. This is a pretty amazing story, okay? It says Enoch in, in, in Genesis that he walked all the days of his life with God. That's a really cool thing. But as Enoch... Uh, uh, walked all the days of his life, there was another guy named Philip, okay? And in Philip, he was one day sitting here, and it told Philip, this is uh, out of Acts 8, 29, it's the Spirit told Philip, 
Go Now this spirit, I mean, he's talking to him. He knows the Holy Spirit. Go and stand by the chariot. Number one, go. And it says, when Philip ran up to it, so he first stepped it, he stood, okay, he stood, he stood strong, and he said, he was there, the Ethiopian, reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And how can I, unless somebody guides me? Because you can be here reading, but you don't understand. Because the Spirit's not guiding you. He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. So Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus. As they were traveled down the road, they came to some water. Look, water. What would keep me from being baptized? Because they knew about John Baptist. He was baptizing people before this. Phil said, if you believe with all your heart, you may be. And the Ethiopian, the Enoch says, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Ethiopian ordered the chariot to stop. And they went out, and he was baptized. And when he came up out of the water... It says this, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the Enoch did not see him. Now, that would be the coolest baptism ever. I know if we did that, and pastor baptizes somebody out in the pier, and then all of a sudden, pastor's gone, everybody's going to think he's under the water, and they're going to say, pastor! But it's somehow, they, Enoch just disappeared and, and went somewhere else. That's, that's crazy, amazing miracle stuff. That's what I would love to see. Wouldn't you? Pastor's all set up on the shore. And I'm like, Where the, how did he get up there? The Spirit just decided, I'm going to carry him up there. That's, that's the insane thought process. That's what the Spirit does when you follow the Spirit. I'm going to tell you another amazing story. And this is where, this is where I, I get to the point where uh, who you are. I want, to know, I want you to know who you are. I want you to believe something that's special. Because Paul, I was listening to your message whenever he, the pastor was talking about the temple. Okay? And he was uh, talking about Corinthians, the, the Corinth. Okay? The Romans at the time, man, it was bad. It was like party central. Bad, bad, okay? Like orgies, all kinds of bad stuff going on. And in Rome, he's trying to establish a church, and Paul has these little tin house churches set up, and you would think, man, things are going great. He's in prison. Like, he don't think Paul's like going, I'm killing it, man. I get the best following ever. Sometimes you got to go through a test. I think David was tested. Everybody is tested to accomplish anything incredible. David, before he become king, they, they just got through, he lost his family. They were going to stone him. Galag, they went back and got it all back and God took him to the throne. But there's almost always a test before. And Paul's sitting there and he's telling, he's telling these Corinthians, I'm going to tell you the secret to this. So number one, if Jesus is grace, God, says so Jesus is grace, God is love. And you have to have communion with holy. I say it because it's his first name. I know him really well. Holy Spirit. Communion with holy. That means you have to have a personal relationship, an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if you can conquer all that other stuff. And it was bad stuff going on. Kind of like what's going on in the United States right now, to be honest with you. Okay? So I'm going to tell you the last story, and it's Esther. Esther is a cool story. There's a, one of her family members named Mordecai. Esther's a Jew. What are the odds that a Jew ends up in the king's court in Iran. <laughs> that's not going to happen very often, but that's what happens. God places Esther in the king's court in Persia, which is Iran. Okay? And all of a sudden, Mordecai, who helped her get there, Mordecai's here, and Mordecai, he won't bow to the God. He won't bow. And so they're going to, the guy in second command sees it, and he's like, Hey, you're a Jew. So he goes back to the king and goes, this guy won't bow. 
Let's kill all the Jews. They're going to be a problem for you. So there's an edict that you're going to kill all the Jews. And Mordecai's like, tears his clothes, he goes up, and he goes to the edge, and he sends a message to Esther saying, Esther, like, we need you. She's like, ah, the, do you realize the king has to ask me to come into his presence? And if I do, without being asked, I die. <laughs> so it's, I'm committing suicide. I can't do it. He goes, wait a second. I love this verse. He puts you in the kingdom for such a time as this. And so she walks into the king's court, and the king welcomes her. And because of that, she's saved. You know what? The Jews would have been saved anyway because God goes by his promises. But Esther got to be a part of the plan because she followed the, the Spirit. Here's what God says about us. He's the king of kings. I got to tell you about my king real quick. I got to tell you about my king. Most kings have their subjects go fight and die for us. them. Our king fought and died for us. He fights our battles. It says our riches, it's not coming from the subjects. Our riches are by his wealth and glory. Like we have, or you know who you are? It says we're king. He's the king of kings. Who do you think kings are? It's not other kings. There's no such thing. There's only one. It's us. We're kings. God says we're kings and queens. That's who you are. If you're a defeated Christian walking around without any kind of like, you know, strength and courage and passion and hope and you're not on fire, you're, a, you're, you're what they called you. God said you're a king and queen and you are made an original. It's the end of Galatians. And, and, the, and I love the verse. It's the end of Galatians uh, 25, 26. It says God made you as an original because only you can touch people God made you to touch people. I can't touch people. You can't. You can touch people. I can't. Because he has a purpose for you. You're made to be a king. We said earlier who we are, right? And we all said moms and coaches and stuff like that. Yeah, you are. But you're made to be a king. I had a coach's clinic this past weekend. An 86-year-old coach. Okay, he coached at Tulsa University, Oral Roberts University, New Mexico State. He's one of the legends uh, of coaching in Oklahoma. Amazing success. He's only had one losing seasons at the Division I level in 14 seasons. The guy is an amazing man. And he takes a knee at 86, and he looks around, and he starts going like this. God has a purpose for each and every one of you. It's to be led by the Spirit to tell other people about His name. He's the King of kings and He's the Lord of lords. And it's your purpose today to be filled by the Spirit so you can be empowered. God sent the Holy Spirit so you can do things beyond measure. It's great. He says you can do greater than you can dream or imagine. I can't, I, I dream big. I'm a big dreamer. So he's going to pour out his spirit in the latter days. And my young and old will dream dreams and have visions. Are you having them? If not, it's time today to start adding arch to your jumper. I'm turning it over to pastor right now. Thank you so much. But I know God spoke to you today. It's time to fight.